Hello, I'm Mario Toniguzzi, Managing Editor of Canada's Podcast, taking care of business today with Andrew Karras, who is Chief Operating Officer of Engel & Volkers. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mario. Appreciate it. Well, there's an interesting uh, data and uh, insight into a trend that you folks uh, have uh, pointed out recently, and that's what, regarding flipping of houses. And uh, we know that uh, that market, uh, house flipping, uh, has been an active one over the years in Canada. But what's changing these days when, when from what you guys are seeing? I, I think my, um, my first word I'd use is uncertainty. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in our economy. There's a lot of uncertainty in every market. Um, you know, obviously the effects of COVID uh, have changed people's buying perspectives and what they're looking for. I think people made their lives a lot more personal. Uh, but in Vancouver in particular, I think the time that we started noticing a real trend where people were moving away from just your casual house flippers. We're not talking about developers here. We're talking about people that are doing it as a hobby or a way to uh, sort of make some extra income, do something fun with their family. And really the change happened when the foreign buyers ban, uh, not ban, sorry, foreign buyers taxes came into Vancouver in 2017. And when that happened, um, the manipulation from the government uh, to try to force prices to come down obviously changes the tone of the economy quite drastically. And in Vancouver, I think that that narrative that anything can happen really scared people, the casual kind of consumer. I think that's what happened mostly in Vancouver. Um, so I think it started in Vancouver a while back. I think there was opportunities in other cities, um, you know, earlier, like later on from 2017. Um, but Vancouver, if you look at our market, and I will be speaking mostly from the Vancouver market here, uh, you'll see that we're usually first in and first out when it comes to how the market trends. And so in the sense of first out, well, it's because we were the first target from the government because we were the ones facing the largest amount of, you know, foreign buyers buying in our market. And they were worried about the luxury market moving up. And what they ended up doing is focusing on the luxury market instead of the entire market and the affordability of the market and where people could transfer from houses. And that little mom and pop sort of house flipping was kind of a really nice way for people to live in a house for a few years, do a renovation. I'm, you know, I, I count that as house flipping because they can move their their family to another property and then they can take the assets from what they built in it and then keep moving forward and moving up in the market. And it's it's stalled out a little bit, unfortunately. What are some of the, uh, you know, the factors in, involved in that, uh, like that are making, you know, making it a tough decision for, you know, the average person to to do that? Yeah. Yeah. More recently, in, yeah, in the last two years, Mario, the more recently uh, we're noticing, obviously, costs like shelter costs have gone way up, energy costs have gone way up, holding costs on interest rates have gone way up. And then the bigger item that we're noticing is, is there's still a severe lack of inventory in our marketplace. And if there's a severe lack of inventory, then it makes it harder because the lower end sort of fault kind of gets pushed up a little bit. And so the gap between what you have to pay for something that's a renovation or what you would get for it once it's all renovated and ready to go, it isn't big enough when you take into effect all the rate changes and all the time it takes. The permits in the cities are very difficult. Um, 
you know, basically there's a lot of restrictions on what you're doing. And the government's made it very clear that their mandate is to try to stop people from, you know, inflating the price of real estate. And so they've kind of come down hard on capital gains, uh, you know, flipping homes, taxes you have to pay, taxes you have to pay when you come in and out. And I think the bigger, greater concern is that the predictability of what might happen in the time that you own that property before you, once you buy it, to when you have to flip it, it's unknown because uh, with elections and everything that's coming out, people's policies, they just keep throwing out policies that are, are meant to help affordability. But unfortunately, when we look at what's happening, I don't think it's it's really having its greatest effect. Well, um, Andrew, I'm just curious, what do you think it takes uh, for somebody to be a, a house flipper? Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, obviously even a few years ago, but is there a certain type of person that yeah. can do this uh, without freaking out? <laughs> yeah. So here's the first thing you need is cash. And and that's the hardest thing for most people is that they don't have this expendable money that they can put into the project in order to be able to get the money. If they're borrowing the money with rates going up and holding costs, it just adds to the whole fuel. So the first thing people need is some equity to work with, you know, mm. some money that they can pull from. Um, because if you can keep your borrowing costs down and you can kind of manage things yourself, then you're going to be much better off. You also have to be incredibly organized. <laughs> and a lot of people uh, try to do this on their own. And then it, the, the time it takes, it expands out. Cost of construction's obviously gone up and having and finding tradespeople. So another thing is if you're good at doing this stuff yourself, and you can put work into your own property. Um, I do highly recommend you being qualified to do so and pulling yeah. the right permits and doing everything that you need to do. But if you're able and you're capable and you can do it kind of as a side hobby, these are where you can sort of save costs that it can still make it viable because there's a lot of people in the marketplace that don't want to buy fixer uppers because of the exact reason I just told you, which is they don't have that extra cash. Yeah. And with the stress level tests and stuff, they can't afford to get what they want. Um, and so they 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 have to put the money in to renovate and then they're sunk underwater and it just holds everybody back. So really the the unpredictability of what might happen from the government, the unpredictability of interest rates, uh, the cost of interest rates and inflation and, and shipping and everything has gone up. Yeah. So you have to be organized. I mean, organized is probably the best one. You have to have a plan. You also have to target the areas that make sense. Like right now, the, the best opportunity for flipping, believe it or not, is in more of a higher end market. Like if you look in the west side of Vancouver, so here's a really neat analogy I'll give to a few people, just a, this isn't science, okay? <laughs> uh, but if you look at the average sale price in a specific area, obviously that should tell you kind of what the averages are. So in the west side of Vancouver right now, the average sales price is uh, for a strata property, property is a $1,150 a square foot, okay? So if I look at new properties in that same area, what would somebody pay for a brand new property, something that's perfect, right? We're looking at about $1,450 a square foot. So I have like $300 a square foot from average to brand new. Now yeah. I'm going to try to buy below that average so that I can make sure I have a little bit more room to work with. I'm going to know my market really well. Working with people that are experts in those areas is a huge value. And I, I have to press on that a little bit. Don't try to do everything yourself. Find the people around you, build your network, build your team. And then if you bring it all together the, the right way, it's still feasible in areas. But the problem, pardon me, right? The problem is, that that's a high price point. So if we're just talking about a thousand square foot unit and it's an average price of 1150, you're already well over a million dollars. 
There's also, you know, you can't get mortgages with, you know, you have to have a higher percentage down. You have to, when you're in that price category, your risk level goes up because now you've got to sell it for 1.5 million, which is a big chunk. Then of course the fees and everything that you got to take into consideration. So you need to have Excel charts. You have to know what you're doing. You have to bargain shop for what you're looking for. You have to know the new trends. You have to be very educated in order to do this correctly right now. There's still lots of possibilities. You just got to find the right market and the right kind of places and know what your gaps are, know what you're working with, talk to an expert. All righty. Uh, Andrew, a, a bit of a different question, but kind of same. Uh, what about uh, the uh, the investors that, that buy properties to rent? Um, mm. Has that changed? Because again, you know, uh, their costs are gone up uh, in everything as, you know, mm -hmm. uh, to buy a property, you know, with the mortgage and the interest rates. And and then, of course, if they're uh, doing any renovations on those properties are going up. Uh, uh, has that changed in, in the sense that the economy, economics of it maybe doesn't make as much sense as it did years ago? Or yeah. I or on the yep. flip side, pardon the pun, on no, the flip sorry. side uh, is the fact that we're in such a rental crunch uh, these days that it doesn't matter that they can charge a lot for rent. Yeah. Well, you still want a cash flow, right? And so cash flow is where it starts for investors is they want to know what they're paying with what they have down. Are they going to get the return they need to be able to cover the costs? And if they're not going to cover the costs, then is the money that they have to add into those on a monthly basis enough to sort of protect against the appreciation of the property. Yeah. So that's the word, right? In Vancouver, uh, appreciation is something we used to be able to count on pretty, uh, you know, for a very long period of time, things appreciated in a market. So a lot of investors bought properties, not because of the return or the cash flow, they bought it for the future appreciation. And we're not seeing that quite so much. And even with uh, it, rental rates, I mean, are, it's staggering what's happening in Vancouver right now, as far as the demand for rental. Um, I feel terrible for renters out there right now. I think this is something that we really do need to focus on is more homes uh, for people to be able to rent. And I wish there was more investors coming into the market. But again, uh, regulations on how much down payment, the stress tests, all the sorts of things. And then in Vancouver, the metrics don't add up quite as well, even with a lot of demand. I mean, a million dollar property is going to cost you enough, if you have 20% down and then you're going to get, you know, let's hope $3,500, $4,000 a month. Um, you know, is that going to cover your, um, your what the property is going to cost you on a monthly basis? And right now, most of the time it doesn't. And we flattened out in the market a little bit, especially I'm using downtown Vancouver as my model right now. Uh, but prices haven't appreciated quite the same as other areas uh, during COVID and after COVID. I think that's going to happen next. I really do believe there'll be a resurgence in downtown Vancouver, but I don't know if it's going to be investors per se because the numbers don't work. So a lot of our investors call us and one of the benefits to kind of our firm, not that I'm trying to promote that, but is that they call us and actually ask us where they can actually find cash flow in other markets. And so, you know, you look at other markets like Calgary right now that are doing quite well because of their affordability and their, you know, the economy and stuff is doing okay. So, you know, maybe that's an opportunity. So maybe I'm going to refer them if they're looking for investments to these sorts of locations. United States, lots of um, people buying in, in other places like Mexico because you can do Airbnb and they, they, they haven't really clamped down on the, you know, you shouldn't be making all this money on real estate, yeah. which is kind of the mandate that our government has right now. And that scares people. And it's kind of right. And I... It's, it's such a hard pattern. It's very confusing. When people ask me what the real estate market's like right now, I always start with, it's very confusing. And yeah. it's very confusing because we're dealing with something we've never dealt with before. 
We went through COVID. We, we don't know the effects of the pandemic. We also gave people a lot of funds and money during a time that they were saving a lot of money and they weren't even realizing how they were saving it. And yeah. it's just because they weren't going out as much. And so people bought and got kind of excited about real estate again, and it all kind of frothed up again. And then now it's sort of simmered back out. People are looking around at each other going, what do we do next? Because we don't have a metric to look back on that really will tell us what's going to happen next. We got two major elections. We got two wars. We have an economy that's kind of like, are we recession? Are we not recession? I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty. Is that how I started this whole conversation was with the word uncertainty? Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so from that standpoint, we've got to just understand that everybody's situation is completely different from the other. Um, Canada is really difficult. I mean, you're talking to me in Vancouver, and of course, there's other people that will listen to this in other markets and go, well, there's cash flow here, or we have too much inventory, or we have this, but I don't think that's the majority of what's happening in Canada. And I do want to tell everybody who listens to this that if you just watch the Vancouver market, chances are the tsunami that comes from Vancouver sort of floods out to the other areas. Uh, when the market's hot here and moves up here, then other areas feel the effect. And then they're usually the first to come down and then it comes back into Vancouver. So um, watch those sorts of trends in your areas, right? Make sure you understand the logistics, the history. Um, I think that you have to be a lot more educated right now if you're going to be a house flipper uh, because you're taking a higher risk, uh, the uncertainties out there. And of course, uh, you're limited in what you can do as far as what you can borrow and the taxes you might have to pay when you do sell it. So yeah. Lots of things to consider. All right. Wonderful. Thanks, Andrew, for joining us today. You're welcome. Was that it? <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was Thanks, Mario. It was a pleasure. Nice All chatting right. with you. That Have a nice day. Andrew Karras, who is Chief Operating Officer of Engel and Volkers. I'm Mario Toniguzzi, Managing Editor of Canada's Podcast, taking care of business today. Thank you.